Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and he ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked. And behold, there was at his head a cake of bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall you anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Mechalah, shall you anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And that is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Zach.
Um, and similarly, be sure to encourage Zach and Mark as they've been so helpful to me. Uh, by all means, give them hugs early and often. And by hug, I mean really long hugs. <laughs> yeah, the ones where they let go uh, and you keep holding on. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, so some of you guys know us. Uh, some of you know that my wife and I met at DBU. Um, you may or may not know that after the very first week of, of dating one another, I went to the jewelry store and bought her a ring uh, because I knew uh, in seven days flat uh, that she was the one. Certainly that was a grace from God, uh, absolutely, no doubt. Um, but a part of that, as crazy as it sounds, was us staying up a night or two in that first week and getting to know one another um, and asking one another all kinds of questions, all kinds of things, and not holding anything back. Um, you know, old boyfriends, old girlfriends, what do you believe about this? How were you raised? Where do you come from? What, what do you believe? And um, even though it was late night, after late night, uh, and I don't remember all of it, I'm sorry, uh, there is one question I do remember above all others. Um, because being at DBU, most of the guys that were there were uh, preparing to be preachers. And so, of course, she wanted to know, um, are you planning to be a preacher? To which I said, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> who in their right mind would ever want to stand up in front of the people of God and preach his word? It is fraught with danger and frustration and like the most impossible thing that you could do in his kingdom. Uh, surely I would never, ever do that. No worries. It, it will never happen, ever. Uh, having said that, uh, let us begin. <laughs> Today's passage is about calling. And calling is the work that we do, the various labors that God has given us to endeavor after, day in and day out. God places each of us in his kingdom uh, like unique pieces in a vast puzzle. And he calls us to serve and work where we are, when we are. And in that way, he provides for us a calling. Now, there are many different kinds of callings among us this morning. We have stay-home moms. We have office-working dads. We have retiree grandparents. And we even have students. And yes, being a student is even a calling. I should know. I am an educator by trade. Although I'll be honest with you, the most interesting stories that educators have have nothing to do with educating. I remember my first year of teaching in Duncanville, Texas, at Reed Middle School. I was called to teach seventh graders, uh, which in and of itself was a challenge. Every day was difficult. Uh, but to be sure, there was one day that stands out above all the rest. And that day was, of course, a Monday. And on this Monday, I had my hardest class of all, very first thing in the morning, and you would think that they would have been tired, but no, they were ready to roll. Uh, they came out of the gates and they were ready to fight. And it just happened to be that. I had fights in my class and I wasn't unique in that. Uh, but that day I had a fight and I broke it up. And of course I turned around and what's behind me is another fight. So I break that fight up and then I turn around and there's a third set of guys that are getting ready to fight. So I get them separated. I calm everything down, and at this point, the air is full of spitwads, swear words, freestyle rap, insults of every kind. I get everybody finally settled down, and like a good teacher, I turn to write on the board, and that's when I saw it. The hardest kid of all, okay, and the funniest, 
And later I would find out he was one of the greatest. Uh, but the most challenging kid of all that day, um, laying down, stomach first, on my broken teacher chair, arms and legs stretched out, flying across the room like Superman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I can finally laugh about that, and I can finally laugh about my first year, first year of teaching. Uh, but at the time, let me assure you, it was a real low point uh, in a year that would never, ever end. Very hard. I spent my days breaking up fights, getting insulted, being ignored. Uh, I wanted to reach toward the heavens and cry out, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I would come home and want to talk about quitting. I would go to school. I would talk about quitting. And that was all I could foresee because I couldn't see anything going the way it was 